electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Zach Felici. Today on our podcast, Crypto Crush. Joe, I don't know if you're more of an expert on this. No, 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 no. More than $200 billion in value erased in the market sell-off. So-called stable coins are breaking the buck. Where does that leave crypto investors? Is there going to be a moment where someone could say conceivably that the emperor is wearing no clothes? Disney losing money on streaming. Puck's Matt Bellany. This was a product of what Wall Street believed in during the pandemic, is that the total addressable market for streaming was going to be seven, eight, nine, perhaps a billion people that were going to quickly sign up for these streaming services and pay a premium to do so. And I think that rationale has completely changed. Those stories, plus WeWork, says people are going to work in offices, the insiders who sold off before the market plunge, and Beyond Meat, struggling to get beyond plant jerky. And I tried it. You did try it? I tried it. You'll eat anything. Exactly. It's Thursday, May 12th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, two, three. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew Ross Sorkin is on assignment in Washington and joins us live this morning. The NASDAQ was the big loser yesterday. It was off by more than 3.1%, but the S&P was down by 1.6% and the Dow off by 1%. And at this point, we are really starting to talk about adding up the huge lows. As of yesterday's close, the Dow down by 13.8% from its all-time high. S&P down by 18.3%. And the NASDAQ down at yesterday's close, 29.9% from its all-time high. So if you add up these losses today, you are talking about the NASDAQ down by 30%. Uh, Question is, when the bleeding stops? Cryptocurrencies are having some of the biggest losses they've seen in years this week, with Bitcoin leading the pack. The world's biggest cryptocurrency by market cap fell below $27,000 this morning for the first time since December 2020, losing over a year's worth of gains. Bitcoin peaked last November at a high of over $69,000. But now data shows that over 40% of Bitcoin investors are at a loss, and other cryptos are facing the pinch as well. Earlier this week, the stablecoin Terra plunged to as low as 26 cents. Talk about breaking the buck. Stablecoins are a little bit different than normal cryptocurrencies. They're like bank accounts for the crypto economy, often backed by large reserves of money and tied to a source of value for investors. Stablecoins like Tether and Terra are both intended to be pegged to one US dollar, but their value remains below that target. Here's Andrew. And I don't know if you guys had seen this yet, but Tether, the largest cryptocurrency stablecoin by market cap, has fallen below dollar parity as well. And there's some news that they are, they are changing or, or, or flipping uh, the, 
the quote chain that they're on. Joe, I don't know if if you're more of an expert no, on no, this. No, no, uh, no. I know that uh, you've you've read all of the the papers over the years on Bitcoin, yeah. but on on Bitcoin, on Tether, not on. I don't, they're doing I've never what's called, delved into stable coins. I don't want okay. anything stable. I don't think I can. They're, they're doing they're me. doing what's called a chain swap, um, and they're converting uh, what seems to be a lot of money uh, pretty quickly. And that is either going to hopefully get that back to parity or not. But we'll see. But I think all of this coming as a lot of anxiety around crypto. But as we've been discussing, how much of the crypto selling was originally a result of of selling in the stock market and people who are leveraged up having to sell sell their crypto. But now it might be the opposite. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who've, who were holding crypto that may, that may now have to start selling, selling their stock. Already, the, the, the people that aren't committed are, 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 are gone, I think. And, and at 20, here's the weird thing about technical analysis. It's really great because, and, and you got to hand it to Katie Stockton, who at, remember we were talking to her, is it about 40? 40,000, and she said the next, and then it got to, I said, okay, it's at 39, 5, 38, 5. Does that count as a breach of 40, right. or is that still not breaching it? And, and she's like, she, I go, you're not, you're, you're not nodding. You're, I mean, it, it, it did count as a breach. Kind of I was saying, has it stabilized? Yeah. And she, she kept, and she said 27 is next, and that's classic, because what does it mean 27 is the next right. support line? It means that's the next target, but if we talk to her today, and we should, or talk to her tomorrow, we need to find out the next support level because the 27 could just be a, a, a temporary holding pattern. Or there's reason sometimes technicians can tell you, no, this looks like a very, a very good support level where you could expect at least some type of short-term immediate bounce. When do, when do we say with Bitcoin, is, is there going to be a moment where, where someone could say conceivably that the emperor is wearing no clothes? Meaning, um, I know I know you've studied this. This is why I'm I'm very I, curious I, about it. I don't, if it's I not a currency, that, if it's not a currency, right. and it's not a store of value, clearly that's always possible. But at this point, I think it it and I think it may still be the dog, not the tail. I think I I think you could see crypto stabilize before uh, the Nasdaq and and maybe bounce, and then I think right now it is a it's just a speculative asset. That's how it's trading. Just a, and I don't think you would ever say. Do you think we get to the point where uh, a stock that's, uh, you know, a, a, a NASDAQ stock is at zero? It's down right. 50%, but is the emperor naked? I don't think we're, we're there with, with crypto. Well, but what I don't about think all, we're, the, I don't think we're all going the stock there. to flow and all of these, these, these different analyses that would get it to 100,000 and 500,000? The stock to flow is a stock to flow. Still indicated that. If you talk to Novogratz, I'm sure he'd say... 100,000 within the next two, three, four years. And that's what probably the mooch would say the same thing. Probably you can get a lot of people. Paul Tudor Jones, a lot of people um, would say, I mean, we've seen this movie before, Andrew. And this time a 55 or 60 percent drop brings it to 27,000, not 4,000 where it was as, as, early, that's true. as recently as two and a half years ago is at 4,000. So if you can get a 60% drop that merely brings it back to 27,000, I'll tell you one thing. I, I've seen a cartoon line of people at Bitcoin, 65,000. They're all there. Give me, give me more, give me more. And then on the left, there's a line at, at 27,000, and it's empty. There's the person there who's waiting to, to, to sell right. to someone, no. and no one's there at 27. Look, they're, they're all there at 65. So this is the way psychology works, obviously. Is it a I'll better bet, deal? I'll bet you, you 27,000 
if you had the nerve, it's a pretty good entry level. If you liked it at 50 or 60, 27,000 would be a good entry. And, but, but that for speaks me, to the speculative firm. Right, but for me, but if, I, if I bought it at eight and five and six, 27, it, that's still like, that's a, major, <laughs> that's a major commitment. But if I'm gonna hold what I have at 27, you would think that if you, if you don't sell what you have at 27, you might as well buy it, right? You're making a decision to hold what you have. It's all money, it's all fungible. We'll see, but I don't, I don't think, if it does, Andrew, Emperor has no clothes, El Salvador is gonna be, bank, uh, uh, gonna be bankrupt. Um, Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy, what's gonna to happen to all those shareholders? What's gonna happen to- I mean, think to, about how uh, levered that company over, is. I know, That's a, that, I know. Uh, yeah. What's the Galaxy Digital? Uh, what happened to the? What will happen to the Winklevi? Uh, Steph Curry, I see. You know, watching basketball, he, he's the star of the crypto ads. You know, it's the the stable coin questions, though. I, I think are the big ones today, and the reason Tether is a big deal, even after we watched UST fall below thirty-five cents yesterday, and maybe even below twenty-five cents at one point. The, the stable coin is a big deal, and. Tether's a big deal today because it is the biggest of the stable coins. It's $81.3 billion in terms of market cap, at least it was. Uh, USD, uh, which we were talking about, $48.9 billion. So th that's why we watch this. There is a lot of money that's involved in this. The idea of it being stable coins, maybe you put quotes around that right now, air quotes, around the idea of a stable coin. Uh, and the questions there, obviously, linking through the entire crypto um, world. And, and, and that's kind of what you're seeing shake out here. Right. We're good. We, we will talk uh, more about it. I, I, I'm wondering what is the total population of so-called uh, stackers, uh, Andrew, and I, I don't know what that is. If, they're, if, if it's 20% of the Bitcoin holders, I mean, there are weak hands and there are strong hands. I don't know what the real strong hands are, but there are stackers. I don't know what percentages it is, but they would, you would think, be adding to their positions at If at they have cash. If they have cash and they're not leveraged. Right. Several corporate insiders and executives managed to avoid the current tech wreck with big payouts. Robert Frank joins us with that story this morning. Robert. Good morning, Andrew. More than $5 trillion in wealth has been lost in the stock market so far this year. But some insiders at some of the biggest losers cashed out before the big drop. Peloton shares down 90% from their peak. But before the fall, CEO John Foley cashed out $119 million in stock insiders selling over $500 million in total. Carvana's market cap has dropped from $70 billion to $6 billion. But Ernest Garcia II, he's the father of the CEO. They control together the voting shares. He sold $3.5 billion in shares on the way up. His shares, that share sale totaling more than half of the company's current market cap. Palantir's down over 80%, but insiders there are selling over $2 billion of shares. CEO Alex Karp unloading over a billion dollars in shares. Peter Thiel, he's a big investor and board member there, cashing out over $600 million before that big decline. You guys are talking about Coinbase. Those shares now trading at about 50-52, but CEO Brian Armstrong, he sold at $389 a share on IPO day, cashing out nearly $300 million in shares. And Roblox down 82% from their highs, but insiders cashed out $800 million before that big fall. CEO David Bazuki cashing out $260 million of shares last year. His biggest sales were in November. Just so happened, that's when the stock reached its highs. These guys weren't alone. 2021 
was a record year for insider sales. Total sales for insiders totaling $170 billion last year. Andrew? How much of the sales were, as you said, in the context of like a Roblox at the highs after the IPO, and how much of it was sold into so many of these offerings? Well, it's, it's a big mix. And I think the big question here, as you and I have talked about, is all of these, or virtually all of them, were 10B51 plans. And this is something that SEC Chair Gary Gensler has made a point of, of adding a new rule because the idea was that 10B51s, by being pre-scheduled, were supposed to minimize the idea of insider trading. Instead, they've kind of provided a cover for people because you can set up a plan in the morning and start trading your shares or selling your shares that that afternoon, and then you can also terminate the plan early. So all of these were sort of under the cover of 10B51s, whether it's right after the IPO or into the run-up. And I think that's the issue that regulators but and company boards are going to start looking at. How many looked like at. they were planned, as you said, you know, you make the plan in the morning, you're selling by afternoon, or you're selling within the, a week or two of the plan being put in place? Do we think that that was a majority of these things, or do these were these were actually things where they planned it six months in advance? Uh, again, it's it's a broad spectrum, it's a mix, but but many of these plans, they, they, they started selling shortly after the plan was started. What Gensler wants is at least a three or four month sort of cooling off period between when you start the plan and when you can actually sell. Makes a lot of sense. Robert Frank, thank you. Shares of uh, Beyond Meat are tanking. The maker of plant-based uh, meat substitutes reported a loss of $1.58 a share, worse than the $1 a loss that analysts had expected. Revenue also fell short. The company said it took a sizable, though temporary, hit to gross margins to support uh, strategic launches, specifically its plant base jerky. Uh, Executives said the first quarter is expected to be the low point for its margins in 2022, and jerky production should be much more efficient by the second half of the year. And I, I will cop to Pepsi must, must be involved some because when they send us, so they sent me a bunch of the jerky, okay? And I tried it. You did try it? I tried it, but then I- You'll eat anything. Exactly. You're like Mikey. I'm like the <laughs> raccoon. Come over here. This is the worst stuff. You got to try this, you know, in the garbage can. You got to taste this. It's worse <laughs> than a- Anyway, um, I very, you know, I finished like the smallest bite and then I circular filed it. Now, in fairness, I, I, I don't, I don't, do you eat regular jerky, uh, Sorkin? I mean, do you, I you do. just, you do. Yeah, I like turkey jerky. I got some of that jerky. stuff too. It was real, but, and that, that didn't, I don't, I don't, I'm not big on it. So, so it's, maybe it's not the plant-based it. jerky. Yeah. It might be just jerky in general, but uh, no okay. way I'm. I would never buy any but of this wait, stuff. But wait, if they said they if they, if they said that they're they'll be more efficient in producing this stuff, does that mean that there was more demand that they could keep up with? That or does Sounds that mean me that like it was, was expensive? Like, more, it cost them more than they thought it was going to to make the stuff. It, it, it sounds to me like it was not. A, I don't know. Are people rushing to buy plant-based jerky? I don't know. I, I you know like so many things. I more and more vegans. And then is it that much healthier, or which is supposedly better for? planet or something if i if it's just as bad cholesterol wise and i think it's, it's, it's a planet I, 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 thing yeah I, but i think the jerky I, the reason i don't eat it very often is i think it sticks around in your stomach for a long time well that's so a I problem too you don't want things uh lingering down there because you can feel <laughs> you can feel the linger and here's another thing now i have no experience about this andrew and i don't think you do either no nope. uh and it's not seven o'clock so greco uh is not producing yet but chairs of bumbler Bumble, I'm sorry, are higher. A revenue of $211 million beat analyst estimates, as well as the company's own guidance. That Oh, it is a dating app. 
Uh, it also maintained its full year revenue guidance. Now, anyone know the difference between this and, and the more? Uh... Bumble is the one where the women, women get to, we, we've had the CEO on, where the women get to make the advances and say, okay, I'll take you, not you. So basically, like my life. entire dating life in, like in my twenties, so I, it might not be a very active for you site. Not for you. Do you remember Sorkin? Do you ever remember being single? How I, did you? How I didn't did you live in this it? electronic world. I didn't live in this electronic world, so no. We I don't had think to. it would matter if they can swipe and see what you're all about I, I, in the bar or electronically. I think they might have similar results. I don't know. Both of you. Um, I, I, <laughs> you go right past both of us? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. You swipe. Well, you guys are more like brothers. That would be gross. Coming up, Disney has been the worst performer in the Dow this year. The House of Mouse's latest message to Wall Street. Don't expect endless consumer demand for streaming content. Tom Rogers, one of the founders of CNBC, joins us. The market's gotten more rational about what its streaming value is. I don't think the market has fully taken into account just how difficult it's going to be for the traditional business, the decline in the bundle, cord cutting. Squawk Pod will be right back. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva! What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Up and Becky, Q. Good morning. Welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin, who is on assignment in Washington today, joins us live. Disney was almost $200 a share. It's 99 this morning. It's the same company. It's the same company. It's valued differently by investors uh, today. Uh, and it's very ironic. Let's talk the, the, uh, the, the just the how how odd it is that streaming, which was never th- their best business or even a profitable you know profitable business, streaming took it up to 200 during the pandemic when the parks were closed. Now you know now the parks are all open and we're at 99 dollars. That makes no sense for the way investors are valuing the company. Earnings and revenue both yeah, missed. Look, it's, it's look at Netflix. That's, it's the same it's as Netflix. Co- they, they added, but we're going to talk about how they added. COVID closures are taking a toll on its parks in Asia. We should point that out. So it's not, you know, uh, free sailing everywhere. Disney did report stronger than expected growth in streaming subscribers across all media platforms. But the company warned that licensing revenue would continue to decline and production, content production expenses would keep rising. Sports. Uh, is expensive. The DTC, you saw this, the direct-to-consumer operating losses, a year ago, $290 million. This year, 
887 million. So that's expensive. They may have added a couple of million uh, subscribers, but it's expensive at this point. And as it's pointed out in the journal, a lot of it, one big uh, uh, driver of subscription was Indian premier cricket matches, which added, I don't know, something like, there's 8 million subscribers that are watching just, just for that. So it's all included in, in Disney Plus, but it's getting more and more expensive for each additional subscriber. Do you believe Chapik when he says that these 23, uh, 2023 and 2024 goals are, I think he said something like, easily achievable? I don't know if I believe that. If we have, infla- if we have inflation, don't you think churn goes up? If, if people are going to finally say, I don't, well, I don't yeah, want Disney you're, Plus. Well, you're, you're going to trade down to something. There's only going to be a few that are left. Are you going to have six subscriptions? Are you going to have two? Are you going to have one? And at, Rich Greenfield what, yesterday was actually saying he thinks Disney should sell Hulu and reinvest either in Roblox or in Netflix. Um, to keep ESPN, slim it down, maybe not spend as much there. But it, it, this is when you, start, when you see revaluations in the street looking at things so differently, you are going to see... CEOs rethinking what makes sense in these environments. To see Rich Greenfield, who has been the greatest proponent of streaming of just about any analyst, and by the way, for a long time, very right about that, turn around effectively and say, ah, the whole model doesn't work. They should get rid of this. And he's not saying the whole model doesn't work, but I think he's saying, given the way the valuations are. That given the valuations, right, maybe you sell out of one and put into another one. Netflix is not getting rid of streaming. It's obviously, you know, looking for another way to beef up on some of those things. But the entire boardrooms everywhere are going to have to rethink their strategies on these things um, just based on the market's revaluation. And, and, and you heard that already from, from somebody like Dara Khosrowshahi saying, we've got to change our plan because I'm hearing from Wall Street that there's a new metric. You've got IAC, you know, Barry Deller's company coming out and saying, look, these valuations have changed and this is not going to be a short-term thing of months. It's going to be of years. And that means IAC is going to get some good values, be able to buy some of these companies again like they used to do. We learn again and again about how things are valued. And, it, you know, we look for inherent value that is so elusive. And, and just the, the situation with Disney, it was so loved right in the middle of the pandemic because of streaming. Even though their parks were closed down, why would you run it up to $200 a share because of the prospects for streaming five years from now adding to the bottom line? And now the parks are reopened. And, and suddenly the streaming is, I don't know, is it disappointing? And, and, and so it's worth, it's half, it's worth half of what it was worth. But that if, just shows if, you that people get remember, it, fall in love. But everybody was just chasing the Netflix multiple. And you remember Dan Loeb actually came out quite aggressively, pushed Disney to change its strategy, basically said you need to spend a lot more money on content. You need to push into the streaming world in a much more meaningful way. That was one of the drivers why they went that direction, in part to chase what is now proven to be an elusive multiple as a result of where Netflix is. Look, in the end, what's, what's a great business? A great business is one that produces cash, right? Free cash flow. What I think you're going to see over the next 6, 12 months, talk about acquisitions, are companies that have, that have cash flow, that, have, that actually have a balance sheet that can go out and probably buy a lot of these businesses that don't. Well, if, if you just would value a stock based on one times cash flow, that's one thing, but Disney apparently the stock, the, the where the stock is and what the cash flow is, it, it may be two, it may be three, it may be multiples, it may be fractions. It, it, it's just the psychology of the marketplace is always so crazy. Here's one thing I'll say, Andrew. I, I'll bet you can find Bitcoin bulls and, and holders and stackers that would take Bitcoin 
you know, hand over fist versus Disney and say, oh, this model is this and that. And, that. and, and I want my 20, you know, there's only 21 million and the, we're debasing our currencies and it's the Internet. It's the Internet of money. And it's like Amazon was. So you could find a lot of I, I know the choice you were making. You were saying, look, Disney's got theme parks. And I'll streaming take the and thing so, that produces you the were sort of saying that it's insane to, to even say Bitcoin in the same sentence as Disney. You can find people that that. Oh, that, I know that, that you can yep. find people that would say you're right. Disney can't hold a candle to Bitcoin. I don't know who's going to be right in the end. Well, do you want that or do you want Netflix down from 700 to 165? There's a lot of different. I mean, you can look at a lot of places and try and figure out if these are bargains or if this was just. Netflix is down a lot more than. uh, You know, Netflix down a lot more than 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 Bitcoin. You know, where where what's a bargain and what is. Yeah, it's just the beginning of the end because we don't look at things the same way. And I don't I don't know the answer to any of that, but that's what. Smart people are trying to figure out right now. Joining us now is Tom Rogers, former NBC cable president. He's now uh, Engine Media Executive Chairman and a CNBC contributor. And Matthew Belloni, uh, I'm sorry, Bellany. I knew that. Uh, <laughs> at least I changed it. Founding partner of media company. Now, here's another tough one, because uh, if you're plucking a chicken, Puck. Did I get that right, Matt? Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. That's you the one did. that you're, I, you're, uh, you're, uh, you're two for two, I guess. Yeah, Bellamy Baloney. I, I can't get in that much trouble with Puck. I can get in some serious, uh, serious trouble. Even though it's cable, which you invented, Tom Rogers, uh, sort of. So, Tom, you loved streaming after this latest three-month period. How have you, have your views evolved about the future of streaming? Whether it's uh, on either side, on, on how much you can uh, draw people in and on how much it costs to draw people in? Well, my views of the macro future of streaming have not changed dramatically because the cable satellite bundle is going to continue to decline. And with that, streaming subs, both in the United States and globally, are going to continue to grow. Clearly, they're going to grow more slowly. Um, My view has also not changed of the difficulty of traditional media companies, Disney being the poster child for that, making this transition in a way that is going to increase the value of those companies because they're coming from the best media model known to man where you get subscriber fees and advertising revenue and most of those fees coming from homes that never watch your channel to uh, a place where you got to get paid for uh, just those homes that do watch you. And it's a much tougher model, the streaming model. And Disney's continuing to get more credit just in your introduction for its sub numbers uh, than it should. Half of those subs that it got were from India uh, that are worth very little. Uh, the whole reiteration of its guidance that ultimately Disney Plus is going to have 230 to 260 million subs tells me very little without knowing how many of those subs are actually going to come from Asia. 50 million today come from Asia. If 100 million of those ultimate subs are going to be coming from India at uh, incredibly low prices, that tells me very little about the ultimate value that they're creating for Disney Plus. 
So my views there of the difficulty of a company like Disney building value is uh, hasn't changed. I think the, the market's gotten more rational about what its streaming value is. I don't think the market has fully taken into account just how difficult it's going to be for the traditional business, the decline in the bundle, cord cutting, ad rates uh, being hit by a tougher economy, uh, the parks being hit by inflation and a tougher economy. A lot of that, I don't think, has been fully digested. Tom, you would, or Matt, you would think that with what Tom was saying, that, that nobody would. So, so there's cord cutting and streaming's not what it was cracked up to be. So, uh, you know, and then the other businesses, uh, difficult too. Can you explain the one thing Matt, in your view, why the pandemic Disney with the promise of streaming or Netflix was valued at so much more than the reopened Disney when all of its other assets are firing, presumably eventually going to fire on all cylinders, but some slowdown in in streaming, which wasn't the profit generator anyway. So why is $700 Netflix during, uh, you know, during the pandemic and now now where it is, or Disney, with all of Disney's assets now, parks, movies, theaters open, everything else. Why? Can you explain that? It seems silly, right? And I think this was a product of what Wall Street believed in during the pandemic when we were all sitting on our couches, which was that the total addressable market for streaming was going to be seven, eight, nine, perhaps a billion people that were going to quickly sign up for these streaming services and pay a premium to do so. I think that rationale has completely changed. Netflix's run-up was due to the fact that it could outbuy everybody in Hollywood. The stock price was so high, they could raise whatever money they wanted to outbuy and spend, spend, spend with the promise of these subscribers. It got to $220 million worldwide at a pretty high revenue per subscriber, but everybody else in Hollywood was chasing. All the other stocks were valued high because they were considered, in part, streaming companies, and now that's all coming down to earth. Tom, do you at this point um, have a long-term positive view on the stocks of either Netflix or, or Disney? I mean, if, you, if anybody loved them at two or three times where they were not in Netflix's case, shouldn't this be a time where you could at least start to go in and maybe if it goes down more, add to your position? Yes. I mean, personally, my view of Netflix is that it is hugely undervalued here. Um, Obviously, the market was very spooked by its sub numbers. uh, And uh, clearly, the path to 300 to 400 million uh, subs uh, is going to be a slower one. Uh, But uh, look, you do have 600 million cable satellite subs around the the globe. And eventually, those are going to become streaming subs and Netflix Uh, in all likelihood, is your first streaming service in as those homes transition. And the path to 300 million or above uh, creates a value for Netflix well above where it is today. You know, key to this, people focus too much on the sub numbers. Pricing is critical. And even though um, Netflix had a bad sub uh, sub quarter last quarter, its pricing in the U.S. was was okay. up. Disney's price we, quarter we, over quarter was we, down. Right, we got we got no time. We got a hard break. But Matt, uh, you put on a uh, you're a buy side money manager. Would you buy either, both, or neither? Netflix. Disney. I think Disney is the fully diversified company. Netflix is in one business essentially. I would go Disney. 
You would go to Disney. All right, gentlemen. Sorry, Tom, to cut you off. Uh, but uh, I don't know. We got to make money, too. And, and now you just told me nothing's any good, uh, Tom. It's streaming and cord. So I, I don't know uh, what we should do. Anyway, thank you both. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, we work. Working on a comeback of sorts. What does the future look like for the office sharing company? And does it matter who plays a CEO on the screen? If Jesse Eisenberg was running Meta, I think it'd be like two or three times market cap that it is right now. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Remember WeWork? Does that seem like part of the before times? Only remembered through Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway playing the company's leading players in the Apple TV Plus reenactment? The workspace sharing company reported quarterly numbers today and saw revenue of $765 million above guidance. WeWork's gross sales reached their highest since the first quarter of 2020. People are going back to the offices, but WeWork did lose $504 million during the first three months of this year. That's less than the quarter before. Here's Andrew. For that stock, of course, I don't want to say it was a, I mean, it wasn't a pandemic darling per se, but it actually sort of oddly came back during the pandemic. And I think a lot of folks have been uh, looking at that company in part because it's like so many that uh, that has been losing money, continues to, and uh, cash is king at this point, Joe. Is we lost about we work? What's we lost? Uh, it's a it's a Netflix show with Jared Leto. If you no, we crashed. See, we crashed. We crashed. That's that's what I mean. Yeah, we crashed. Is that about? Is he play the? the yes, the, he plays Adam Newman. So once again, I like Jared Leto better than the actual Adam Newman. Uh, just like uh, just like the Facebook one. Love that guy. I love that guy. Versus really? Mark, versus the real Mark. You don't love Jared Leto? Jesse, what's his name? Um, oh. 30 Seconds, the Mars Did, versus, I mean, he's a genius. He's a, I mean, oh, he's a remember, fabulous he's an Academy actor. Award I, winner? He's my, very interesting, huh? My gut on that film though, or that six part, six, eight part series, I thought it was great, I thought it was great but I thought it was, I actually thought I liked Adam Newman better oh, than the did? way he was portrayed. Okay, yeah. I need I need to watch it. Okay, maybe I I might change it if I actually watch. But but definitely but I'll say, with Anne Hathaway was unbelievable in that in that show. Having said that, I mean they are they they 
you know, they, they twist the knife on, on, on the real character well, there. Jesse a, Eisenberg. Almost I think if, if Jesse Eisenberg was running meta, I think it'd be like two or three times uh, market cap that it is right now. You know, the, we looking at the numbers, though, I mean, the stock is near an all-time low. $4.50 is the all-time low. I think it's just about $5 this morning on this news. And that gets you into the questions. It was that an all-time high of $15, um, right. and that was after being taken public at much lower numbers than it had originally been. Uh, and there's just a lot of questions about what happens if workers are going to come back, if people will expand and continue to do this. Now, WeWork has made the argument that even if offices don't have everybody coming back, that WeWork is going to be the place they'd like to be because they don't want to have permanent office space themselves. But if you look at the numbers in terms of how many workers have come back to some of the big cities, um, you're still at much lower levels. Right. Uh, where, and if you look at any of the commercial real estate REITs, they've been hit really hard, too. Just these questions about who comes back to work, who doesn't. But they, say, they sell a, the equivalent of a Netflix-style subscription, so you can actually just walk in uh, at will when you want. And you have, you're seeing a lot of corporate, corporate buyers, oddly, buying that for, for their own employees. So it's, 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 sort of, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch over the next couple of years how all of this shakes out. What are you doing down there? Am I allowed to ask you what you're doing down there besides looking like a, you know, possible candidate for something? You know, candidate for what, though? What, I mean, I've, I'm meeting, meeting with my backers, as you might imagine, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking into what the possibilities are. Looking at the landscape. Looking Just, at the landscape. You know, trying a, to see what's, 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 what's possible. Um, there could be some nothing openings. To announce. I have nothing to announce just, just now. But I can't deny that I would ever. No, I, let's don't take anything away from any of that. Uh, auto assignment for a reporting trip. And we'll be bringing you some of that reporting hopefully very, very soon. That's it for Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Send it to a friend, too. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 